Hi, this is Jeff Cooper, and we welcome you to another Disney at Play podcast. Thanks for joining us today. We are here to talk about what we love most about Epcot. And to join me, we have David Zanola. David, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. I'm here in my office, nice and crispy cold in the air conditioning and avoiding the disgusting humidity outside in Illinois. <laughs> so let me set a couple of things up. First of all, if you haven't uh, had a chance, we just finished last week what we love most about Disney's Animal Kingdom, followed by an, what I feel a very important and timely conversation about empathy and understanding others and really listening so needed in this very difficult time we are having as a country as a nation i share some stories and some experiences of my wife and i at disney's animal kingdom so if you haven't heard that please listen to that as more meanwhile more things seem to be like dropping like like raindrops on on the uh, opening, reopening of Walt Disney World. David and I are both monitoring those things, and uh, we probably will come back to you sooner than later with more information, but we're trying to get the more detail gathered up so we can present it in a in the best form possible. So just know that uh, that, that podcast is coming as well as um, some follow-up uh, podcasts on Epcot. So lots coming on, going on, happening. And um, one of the challenges to covering Epcot, and uh, I kind of sorted through, okay, who could I have with me uh, to talk about Epcot and so forth? And I realized that there are very few people who really carry the context of Lots of people have been to Epcot. Lots of people have been to Epcot in the last couple of years or uh, in the last 10, 15 years. Few people go back uh, in the time frame of Epcot, which is almost at 40 uh, years coming up uh, in uh, in uh, 22. And so uh, I just, and it's really hard to talk about Epcot without actually talking about uh, the Epcot we remember and the Epcot that people cherish and love and still celebrate today, even though attractions and experiences have come and gone. And we could do entire podcasts about things that have left Epcot, about individual attractions that have retired. But I did feel like rather than going land by land by land or pavilion by pavilion, we would go into what we love most about Epcot of yore, what we love about the current Epcot, and what we love about what's new and what's coming to Epcot because there's so much there as well. So David, you were telling me that your first time at Epcot was as a child in 84? 80 would have been the spring of 83. 83. So yeah. I'm not even sure if Living Seas was open at that point. Well, no. I don't, I don't remember. I mean, I would have been... <laughs> I, I would have been very, very young, but I do have some, so probably in, in the 1980s, I would say that my family probably took two or three trips. So I'm not, I'll be honest, I don't remember which specific trip was what, but I do remember on that first trip just being completely enamored with the Imagination Pavilion. Um, and mm -hmm. that would have been the original uh, ride. That would have been when Dreamfinder 
was still walking around uh, with the figment puppet. Um, I, I distinctly remember, and sometimes I don't, you know, I don't know if my memories are because I remember them or because I've seen videos of them enough, but uh, chasing the jumping waters in the fountains right by that area around with, with my sister and our really tall socks and very short shorts. Um, if just, you're not uh, familiar, just as a context, um, the, uh, the Journey into Imagination was, was a much longer attraction. And the post-show that you now enjoy used to be part of the ride portion of the attraction. And the post-show itself was um, an elevator, an escalator upstairs in the pyramid. And uh, you have a great little story about um, doing something on the green screen. Yeah, so there was a green screen experience where kids were brought along in front of this and basically uh, helped through traveling. I think we traveled through space or imagining that we were traveling through space. Uh, and then the Dreamfinder was on the video and we kind of stood there on these little circle marks and we had to jump and we had to pretend like we were floating. And just about four or five years ago, I was looking through uh, that video. My parents pulled it out to embarrass me and show my children. And all of a sudden I paused it and I went, wait a second, who is that playing the Dreamfinder? And I got a little closer and watched it again. And sure enough, it was legendary Imagineer Joe Rohde who was playing the Dreamfinder at that time, which is pretty cool because at that time he was Joe Rohde, but he wasn't Joe Rohde. Uh, and so he was dressed up as the, as the Dreamfinder in this little uh, interactive imagination thing. And that, that pavilion afterwards was just so much, I mean, as a kid, could have spent hours in there. Now I don't think there's enough to spend, but maybe more than five minutes. But at the time, that was that was pretty special as a kid to be in that pavilion alone. I don't think there's anything, yeah, that overwhelming about what was there, but I will say the rainbow corridor. Yep. I could go up and down that rainbow corridor again and again and again yep. and again, because it was just so, so illuminating. I love Journey to Imagination. I will say that I remember distinctly pulling up my first trip to Caribbean Beach Resort and seeing Spaceship Earth um, uh, as we were heading off to Epcot, illuminated at night or at dusk. We didn't go on that attraction first, as I recall. I remember it was uh, World of Motion that I think I went on first, and then we backtracked to Horizons. Somebody texted me, well, not somebody, Drew, um, Osler, who joined us for the Disneyland Paris, texted me uh, late last night and said, okay, Horizon or World of Motion? <laughs> and I said, well, I don't know the context of this question, but I, I know whatever, whatever the question is, the answer is Horizon. <laughs> and, uh, and so he said that he had never had the chance to enjoy those two attractions, so he wondered, but he'd been studying it, seeing some other podcasts on it, wondered which I preferred. And I described the two to Drew as this. I said, I said, World of Motion was largely a, um, uh, largely a creation of some, some Disney animators in particular. Um, it was very much a Ward Kimball thing with a little Mark Davis thrown in and others thrown in. And they were individual vignettes. The vehicle was an Omnimover wasn't anything stupendous. You kind of went up to a second floor, but there were individual vignettes that took you from caveman time all the way to the future. Future was kind of cool looking, what they had of that. And they were cute little vignettes, but they were like, they were like a bunch of um, gags in a cartoon. 
not necessarily tied together other than by a theme or by a historical um, thread, but they were just individual gags tied together. <clears throat> nice, but it wasn't, there is something different about Horizons. And Horizons, if, if, if um, World of Motion was like a bunch of individual cartoons, I would say Horizon was a full length feature with not only going from beginning to end, but this thread of a family that can be found in the desert, on the sea and in space, all coming together at the end for a birthday party and, and doing so in a virtual world that looks kind of like the one we play out right now with our families and friends in this, uh, in this era of pandemic where we can't be out with others, you know, it's a, they were Facebooking live in a, in a, in, in their own way back in, uh, in the early days of Horizons. Added to that, there was this effort to choose your own ending to, uh, to the attraction. Um, I, that was the best technology they had at that time. I think that if you had updated that, now you could have had you could still have uh, an evergreen attraction. I don't think, I don't think that the the land, sea, and space uh, needed a whole lot of update um, from what it was. I thought it I thought it had a lot of futurism carried with it that still holds today, and it's hard to hold the future um, in one place. Uh, but I, I don't know. I uh, any thoughts that you have there? Yeah, I remember I was a huge fan of Choose Your Own Adventure books. That would have been like the 80s would have been the height of the Choose Your Own Adventure book craze. And as a young kid, I was in love with those books. And so that's kind of what the end of Horizons felt like. I told you a story where I always remember wanting to find out when, so you would select the ending and then these flaps would kind of shut on your, or maybe it was right before you selected the ending, but these little almost blinders like a horse would wear shut on your little compartment so that you could just see whatever ending you selected, whatever route home. And I would always try to see if I could peek through what the people next to me uh, had chosen. And it was just, it, it was unique. I mean, you gotta understand, you know, for people who had never experienced the early Epcot, it was so drastically different from what the Magic Kingdom was that it was just it, it was just amazing to be able to pay attention and see all these different things that now we probably take for granted. But at the time, man, they were just mind blowing these things they had done in a theme park in a way that theme parks hadn't done them yet. I, I agree. Um, World Showcase is evergreen. World Showcase continues to be impressive from so many levels. But I have to say that in the early years, I was like many a tourist, just kind of doing the run, you know, across the mm -hmm. promenade and not really digging in. It wasn't until I started writing, um, uh, I did a, it's still available out there, um, uh, a leadership book on Epcot. We'll put, by the way, uh, links in our show notes page to all this, but I have a, on a um, Apple Books, the uh, a book on Epcot. And um, I love that book um, and it's still available for purchase. But, but when I did the research for that book, I just fell so much more in love 
with Epcot and particularly World Showcase because there are so many wonderful details to dig, dig into. Um, is there any other attractions before we move to Epcot up today? Are there any other attractions, David, that you say to yourself, um, I really, th that was a wow attraction back then? I don't know wow necessarily as just the memories I have. I mean, I remember uh, Food Rocks and Kitchen Cabaret, whichever way those would, you know, wh whichever order those went. I Kitchen love, Cabaret I remember. Food Rocks. Yeah, I remember loving the Wonders of Life Pavilion, and they had the mm. um, the anatomical players. Is that what their name was? Yes. The little in, little improv group, and then they had yes. the bikes that you would ride a bike and like create the energy. Um, well, there was one that was there was a there's a couple videos, and I forget which ones they yeah. were. But then, but I yeah, always the, rode the one through Disneyland. <laughs> well, was, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you did. <laughs> but you had the making of me, and you had um, Cranium you know, Command. Cranium Command and Body Wars eventually just in that pavilion. I mean, talk about, you know, we really don't have that. If you think about it, to be honest now, that pavilion, I know you can still uh, get in there on occasion, but that big spread out pavilion that just had all these little stopping points, we really don't have anything like that anymore, uh, save maybe the land pavilion, kind of. Uh, but it was just, oh, it was, all of it was just absolutely top notch. And as a kid, Obviously, I can tell you more memories of that than I could of the Magic Kingdom. Uh, yeah, no, I love uh, I loved uh, Wonders of Life. Love Cranium Command, which I uh, thought was just one of the most brilliantly written little little pieces and clever little little things. Body Wars was fun to ride. Um, the whole pavilion was a was an experience and and a perfect experience in the afternoon when that thunderstorm came, and you wanted to be you know out from everything. Um, uh, original test track. Don't miss the original test track a whole lot. Uh, it was a very noisy queue. Um, I do love, uh, I, I didn't miss anything of really in a, um, uh, Communicore. There wasn't anything overwhelming of Communicore. There wasn't anything really that overwhelming with interventions in all the years of those smaller attractions there's nothing i said wow i really really missed that um but i will say out of all the things and this kind of carries us i think nicely into the epcot of today um as a symbol as an icon as a logo as just simply a great attraction i have always loved spaceship earth uh do you have a particular version of spaceship earth that you enjoyed more I'm trying to think who I remember. So I would have remembered by narrators. So Walter Cronkite was the original, correct? Right. And then was it Jeremy Irons? Yes. And then Judy Dench? And yes. Okay. So I'd probably say I like the Walter Cronkite version the best just because was it that may, and I was actually uh, wikiing it as you were talking. I actually think that may have been the only version that had Tomorrow's Child, which yes, talk about a top-notch song. Love the song. You would have hated the post show. It was it 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 was just not a really. It was a lot of shadows of children against the montage of color. It just yeah. wasn't. I thought the Jeremy Irons post show was the best of the best. Mm. And honestly, the last scenes before you went up with the with the young man on a laptop talking to a 
a Japanese um, mm -hmm. girl. I thought that was a great scene as well. Um, but I did like Walter Cronkite. If I were to redo it, I just, how would you put Walter Cronkite's back, voice back in? Because I did prefer his. I think I don't have a problem with any of the voices, but I think that Walter Cronkite had the best voice for making that attraction seem really significant. Yeah. Um, I am thrilled to know that uh, apparently what the blogosphere seems to be saying out there is that when Epcot reopens, it will still be open. It was intended to be closed for remodeling and I would be okay if it was a few more years before it was remodeled. I yeah, I think the phraseology think they're using so bad. Yeah, the phrasing they're using is that the refurbishment has been postponed indefinitely. So we'll see what that means. Yeah, I do think there are things to be improved. I'm not so I'm not so against the cartoon segment that you do at the end. I'm surprised how varied those scenarios are. I I'm surprised how many times I have come through and seen a scenario play out that I had not seen before. There were, there were a lot of branches to that tree of what could happen based on input you made. Um, and, you know, when they asked you questions at the beginning of that drop, I just think that the surrounding area needed to be um, more beautifully themed. In fact, I understand the city that Jeremy Irons narrated over there. You recall there was kind of a city of the future Mm -hmm. I understand that's still behind the, the, the black drape. And I wouldn't mind seeing that pulled away. Um, I also, do you remember there was a, a satellite dish and an astronaut at the top sure. of Spaceship Earth? I kind of sure. miss that, kind of like that as well. Um, I think that's, when the big, that's when the big musical climax hit, because they even said something like this, our spaceship Earth, yes. and it got right to the top, and the orchestra, yeah, it was, Yes, and that's that, my favorite soundtrack that I that still That orchestral on. piece is so amazing, and then we interrupted, your time vehicle is going to turn around, mm -hmm. and it's like, uh, yeah, that needs to be addressed. Yeah. However, um, so Epcot today, we've left Spaceship Earth, what are the things that you absolutely love about Epcot up today? I still love Soren. Um, I think that's a fantastic ride, a unique ride. And uh, I don't like the newer film as much as I do the older film. Um, but I definitely like Soren. I love going into the land pavilion because I think that is still the last remaining pavilion that feels close to what it originally would have. I know the other buildings are still there in some way, uh, but I really love those. And as I'm getting older, I'm enjoying World Showcase more. Epcot is a park that I used to, as you said, just kind of run and get the rides and go, go, go. Now, as I'm getting older and my kids are getting older, we like to just go and walk around and spend the time. And I love Epcot at festival time. Um, getting to try all the different foods, don't have a single plan for a meal, just going and looking at the menu and saying, I'm going to get this and I'm going to try this and kind of sharing it with the people in your group. Uh, that is, uh, there are fewer things as great as that food experience wise in any of the parks. That, that is true. Um, I, uh, do, how about, uh, Frozen versus Maelstrom? Meh. I mean, they are what they are. Frozen's fine. It's cute. My daughter loves it. Uh, Maelstrom was fine. Maelstrom felt more transportive 
if you will, like when you landed at the bottom and you saw the big oil rigs and everything out in the in the ocean and the wind was blowing and and I always skip the movie, uh, but um, yeah, I mean it's it's fine. By the see, here's the problem with those early countries is I almost pass those more because I'm like let's get into the middle stuff and uh, so I I enjoy it. I'm glad that the weights are down a little bit, uh, but I don't think if I could only go on one ride in Epcot, that wouldn't be it. What about you? That wouldn't be it either, if I could only go on one ride. Um, but I, I would say if I only had one ride, it probably would be Spaceship Earth. I don't think, I don't think, uh, it, I love Soren too, but I love the previous, I'm, I'm ready for Soren to have more than one gate. Well, it has three gates, literally, if you think of it as an airport or a takeoff place. I'd love for one gate to be dedicated to the California version and mm. the other to an international around the world kind of thing. Yeah. I'd love yeah. for that choice. That's such a easy to do that creates an extra thing. So I'm, I'm good with that. Um, I think that um, I think people forget how really blah Maelstrom really was. Yeah. The thing I liked about Maelstrom was actually the little village at the end. And I liked the movie. Oh. I thought the movie was the one of the best of the movies ever created. One of the best places to take a nap? No, no, it wasn't that long a movie. Um, and it had these boom, boom, you know, kind of moments in the, you know, to kind of, you know, the hammering of the Vikings on the, on, on the ship or something. I can't remember, something like that. But I, I just, I, but I love the, the, the sense, I, I love the visuals of Norway. I love the people parading through the I just thought it was beautiful. And it's made me want to go to Norway ever since. But I, I, I quite like Frozen. I like how they've engineered the attraction to be much longer and, mm -hmm. um, and to be much more enjoyable and, and redo the queue to be much more enjoyable. So I think they've done a lot of great things with that attraction. I have no problem with that. Can I just say I also love, 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 and this might be my second attraction that if I only had a couple of choices, Oh no, I haven't. I've met. I haven't mentioned a third, but if in terms of rides, it would be. Um, and I still call it Rio del Tiempo. I apologize for being um, kind of uh, old-fashioned in that regards. I know that it's really Grand Fiesta Tour starring the Three Caballeros, and I like the Three Caballeros in it. Um, I love the animatronics of the three caballeros at the end, which is a reference to Mickey Mouse's review, which I kept missing. I, I, you know, when I went to Walt Disney World, they had just taken it out of, out of Walt Disney World. And then I got to Tokyo and they had just taken it out of Tokyo. And so I keep missing it. And I don't think I'll ever see it. They had a cartoon thing on the screen behind, before they had the animatronics. I don't know if you remember that. Mm -hmm. I think they sh should figure out how to do the animation and the, the animatronics. But I, I love, I love Real Del Tiempo. I love going inside that whole, that whole feeling of the interior. I just love that, that pavilion. Um, I should mention that the, 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 the one number one attraction to me too, that I really love, but it's not a ride is the American adventure. Sure. Uh, preface it with Voices of Liberty. Yeah. I think it's a solid piece. I think that it does a great job of telling a very difficult 
narrative in a short amount of time, but I think it does it respectfully. Um, and I think it brings out some incredibly important points that we need to remember as a country, even today. Uh, so I, there's add to it the barbecue. I'm all in. Oh man, <laughs> so, that barbecue. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Uh, but I, and I mentioned, I really love Mexico. I, I got to tell you, I really love the J Japan pavilion too on a beautiful a, day. Yeah, the, the Japan Pavilion is a perfect example of if you really explore and go past the shops, mm. there's some nice quiet little areas to go sit that I don't think a lot of, I don't think a lot of first timers, second timers, or even third timers would know or want to take the time fairly because that park is big, right? And if you think about, it, especially if you have a family there with young kids, a lot of times you're chasing character meet and greets around, uh, around the different countries. And so you don't, from a budget time, from a time budget perspective, you don't really have the ability to go and just walk back there and explore. But the Japan Pavilion is a great example. And that shop, uh, the merchandise location there, just seems like it goes on forever. And just some really neat, unique stuff from Japan, both for kids and adults alike. That's where you always get people pictures in their kimonos, you know, back, back there trying them on. Uh, but that's a great pavilion to just grab a, a, a little bit of a rest and quiet and just kind of take in what they've built. So I think when people think about Epcot today, uh, a signature part of it are the festivals. You have the International Festival of the Arts, which has only been around for about three years now. You have the International uh, Flower and Garden Festival. You have the International Food and Wine Festival. And then you have uh, the festival celebration of the holidays at the end of the year. Favorites there, David? Uh, I would probably say I would prefer food and wine simply because if I'm gonna pick any perfect time to go, it would probably be October. Heat started to get cool. Crowds, I guess crowds aren't necessarily low anymore, at least not pre-COVID. Um, but that that would be it because you could also then get some of the Halloween decorations uh, over at the Magic Kingdom. So um, I, so I'd probably say if I had to pick, I've never been to a Festival of the Arts. It hasn't worked out time-wise, so I've been able mm. to see that. Um, but when they expanded all the, the food booths to flower and garden as well, I mean, if you think about it, you're probably talking half the year well, not more than that, but, but about two and a half, three months for Flower and Garden, two and a half, three months for Food and Wine, and then a month or so for Festival of the Arts or whatever it is. So you're, you're at six, seven months at least of those food booths being around. They don't even hardly take them down anymore. No, they don't. And, and some of the areas, they just put up a fence or, yeah. or some tarp, which I think is really tacky. However, I do enjoy those festivals like you. Um, I think the the flower garden is just drop dead beautiful yeah um and it was disappointing to see the park close uh because of the pandemic because it was just in that beautiful state uh that said i have a new love for the festival of the arts because of the activities and the food is just kind of it's a free-for-all for doing something totally different with food and so i really like that aspect of it and then Christmas is just um, the candlelight processional is so um, 
wonderful. Um, and it just is the, the centerpiece of the holidays um, when, when they, at that time of year for me. So, so I definitely, definitely love that time of year as well. I think that's why people, I mean, you really see the numbers that come to Epcot. It is because of those festivals. Those festivals yeah. have held Epcot through a lot of changes. Yeah over the years, but people have really come to, you know, an, an annual pass holder will go now four times a year to see each one of those festivals play out um, easily. Um, it, it succeeds very much uh, in that regard. So we transition from what we've known for the last number of years over to what is new and what is coming. Let me talk about what's new. I don't know what you've seen of it. And by the way, we have a link to all of this in our show notes page. We have a great uh, segment on, on uh, what's new at Walt Disney World. Three new films came out in January, Awesome Planet, as well as Canada Far and Wide, as well as Beauty and the Beast Sing Along. Um, there has been... Um, a new temporary Starbucks location. There have been new meet and greets with Mickey over at Imagination, as well as um, uh, Inside Out, Joy, and um, the two leads from Wreck-It Ralph. Um, Penelope and Ralph um, are both there. And uh, a new uh, exhibit at Epcot's Morocco um, called Race Against the Sun. And a new restaurant that uh, David's taking me to next time, Takumite. And, uh, oh, am I? And, uh, and a current temporary um, fireworks show called Epcot Forever, as well as a pavilion showcasing, the Odyssey Pavilion showcasing the Epcot experience and what's going on. Before we talk about what's still to come, any of those that you love? I'm... So I'm not necessarily sure because of what what is coming and what we don't know. I, I mean, in terms of specifics, without seeing things and how those plans might change after all this, uh, I do know that I am excited that uh, the Odyssey is going to finally be put to use in some kind of a permanent basis. I know they've been using it during some of the festivals lately, and shortly before closure, maybe a couple of months, they had actually turned. Uh, they had turned the Odyssey, I believe, into somewhat of a quasi full-time quick service location, if I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially so, as as um, as our uh, electric umbrella closed, they kind right, of took right. over some of the dishes. I think they were doing flatbreads right before closing. Okay, but just a neat. I mean, a a, a good location for a restaurant, right? And uh, I mean, quick that park gets so busy at times that in more quick service locations in that future world area, you really, I mean, if you think about it, you basically had sunshine seasons, you had, well, you had electric umbrella and in future world, that was it. Those are the only quick service locations. Yeah, you could find some snacks here or there, but there used it. to be, there used to be twice that because there used to be a, a pasta and pizza restaurant where the Coke, um, uh, the Coke, the free Coke stand was in that right. area where the Starbucks ended up being actually. Right. Before that, it was called something else. Um, but it, but there used to be 
yeah, there used to be a restaurant there in the early, early days. And then the Odyssey was a big time restaurant. The first time I went to Odyssey, they had just introduced the Mickey and gang characters into the park. And Mickey and the gang got into rainbow spaceship astronaut type clothes, I guess, for like yeah. silver, rainbow and silver outfits. With like the rainbow this, collars and stuff? Exactly. Yeah. And got in front of, uh, got in front of, on the stage there, did a show every day. So I remember seeing that little stage show that they would pull off and, uh, uh, I, I, it's funny you mentioned Odyssey because I got to tell you of all the things I had just named a minute ago, I actually love to see that Odyssey show and check out Odyssey more than any of these others. And the films are okay. The Beauty and the Beast is, uh, I've, seen, I've seen all the films several times and I'm, I'm good with Canada. I'm okay with um, the one in the Land Pavilion. The Beauty and the Beast one is, is just, I'm surprised they did that. <laughs> I'm just becoming more increasingly surprised they did that because it's just not, it's just not a good take on Beauty and the Beast. It doesn't make sense. It's not plausible. Um, but all that said and done, we've got, I think what most excites me is where Epcot is going. Yeah. Um, I was okay with the concept of future world versus world showcase, but this whole idea of separating into world nature, world celebration, world discovery, uh, the idea, I, I miss the fountain. I think that is the one disappointing thing I have about what's going away. But taking away part of these pavilions that were previously um, uh, part of Communicora and or interventions, no loss there, changing, uh, changing things. Uh, universe of energy needed an overhaul. I wish there was a way to have kept the dinosaurs. I'm missing the dinosaurs. The dinosaurs need to go somewhere. We need, you need dinosaurs. Oh, well, that's right. We do have dinosaurs. It's called Disney's Animal Kingdom, isn't it? So I don't know why they don't move over to dinosaur. But Guardians of the Galaxy, that's gonna be a hot attraction when it opens. Yes. Uh, you mentioned Wonders of Life with the Play Pavilion. I will be thrilled to go see. I don't know that it's really designed for me, but it's designed for me to go indoors. <laughs> and if I can find a park bench inside there, I'm going to be thrilled. You know, I mean, I think I'd love to get some. I think I'd love to get some video of you trying all of the the attractions in there. That you, you will, you will. I'm sure. <laughs> Space two twenty. Yeah, uh, that I'm excited for. It was ready, almost ready at that place to open. So yeah. it should be one of the first things. So those are three things that are coming just to world discovery. That side, which was uh, future world East is, is all coming in the center. First of all, they've been transforming the front with the new, with the old fountain coming back as the new fountain. Um, and then they, a new park area with a new Walt Disney statue, an interactive wishing tree, a story fountain, uh, electric umbrella being replaced, uh, mouse gears being replaced, and a new festival pavilion, which is a kind of a three-tiered uh, kind of uh, attraction that will overlook World Showcase and, and the rest of Epcot. 
plus, uh, at any rate, those become the spine right. of, of what was future world. And then we have world nature, which uh, the only thing really being added there is just simply the journey of water with Moana. But the idea that we might have more trees and it might be more lush, more water, those kinds of things are so needed. So I'm, I'm excited to have all of those. Then we have Wondrous China still coming in. Um, we have um, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure heading in, uh, Harmonious, and maybe Mary Poppins, although I think Mary Poppins got on the chopping block if, with no announcement here, but I have a feeling Maybe not on the chopping block, but I have a feeling that may be a while before we see Mary. I think that's a good question of how many things, how many other things are going to be on. I mean, is, is Moana going to be on the chopping block? No, I don't think so because they've mowed down the area to create Moana. Okay. So I think, I, I think that, I think all of the, I thought the one thing that might be on the chopping block besides Mary Poppins might be the play pavilion because you don't have to necessarily open up that pavilion. You just sit it where it is right now. And they may still do that. Yeah. But they apparently had taken out permits a few weeks ago, according to another blog post. And I apologize. I don't recall which one. Everything else was kind of going for it. They're just, well, other than spaceship earth, which right. again, appears to be on the chopping block. So I do think the festival pavilion has to be put in. You, tear, you tore out the fountains. If, if, if they hadn't torn out the fountains, I would have said the festival pavilion would have been on the chopping block. That could have easily been kept, some other things done, and all of that stayed. Mm -hmm. But you took it out. You've, you've ended that. You've taken out part of the interventions area to build this festival pavilion. You're kind of stuck doing that at this point. You might yeah. stick trees in, 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 the, in the interim, but I think they're going to have to move forward on that. Um, and then I think there's an issue, again, with U.S.-China relations is keeping wondrous China's, China back. But Ratatouille looks ready to go, and, and certainly um, uh, the um, Guardians of the Galaxy was too far underway. Yeah, they can't stop that now. That would just be an eyesore. So going to, through all of those, David, what are, you, what are you looking forward to the most? So I'm excited about the Guardians just because I like my cutting edge technology rides and I'm assuming that will be one of them. Uh, I'm also looking forward to Ratatouille just because I know that the ride system is very similar to Mystic Manor in Hong Kong, which is in my top five favorite attractions at a Disney park. And I love the movie Ratatouille. And I'm also looking forward to something else on that side of the park. Uh, so I would probably have to say those two, if I had to list a third, I'm very interested in Harmonious. I was not a fan of Epcot Forever in any way, shape or form. Uh, it bored me. And that's, I have not said that about an Epcot fireworks show ever. And mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm really hoping that, that Harmonious will, uh, you know, the, the Epcot Forever definitely seemed to be a placeholder, just a Band-Aid slapping on to keep people in the parks and spending food and beverage money at night. So I'm hoping that Harmonious will, will rectify that, that atrocity. I, of all these things, if you had asked me six months ago, what are you looking forward to most, I'd say Mary Poppins. 
And when you go to D23 and you have a chorus of people singing songs and then you have chimney sweeps coming out and though, by the way, you have Dick Van Dyke making an appearance, you kind of have to think you're going to do a little bit more than doing a character meet and greet for this puppy. Yeah. That said, I recognize the money situation. I'm patient for that unfolding. I just hope that they don't bury it. Um, so I'm thrilled for any ride coming through and Remy's is definitely uh, on the top there. But in recent months, and I think I've alluded to this in previous podcasts, um, I've been taking the Skyliner over from Disney's Hollywood Studios as opposed to parking in the back of Epcot and making the roundabout trek through Future World to get into World Showcase. Mm -hmm. it, unless I had something specific to do in the land or someplace, or my child really wanted to do mission space, I wasn't planning on being future world. Future world is, is almost dead to me. Um, and therefore, I, I really look forward to anything that they do to better green up this space. Uh, the statue of Walt, the a, a new dining experience there, a new mouse gear, it's a new festival pavilion, the journey to, of water with Moana, anything that allows me to just, just enjoy it as a park and not feel like it's just a long barren stretch of concrete I've got to cross through to get to what I really want to do. That's what I'm really hoping for and looking forward to um, in, the, in the months and and maybe years to come. Any other thoughts here? I don't think so. I'm just looking forward to getting back in those parks as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, me too. Um, uh, I think I think we both have an appreciation for Epcot, and um, we're ready to be there as well as the other parks at Walt Disney World as soon as they open. David, thank you so much for joining us. I uh, appreciate it so much. Please hang with me because I think to all of you out there, including David, I think we've got more coming about what's happening in the parks and we wanna bring that to you as we know better so you can make more informed choices as to your trip, how soon uh, you might wanna come and so forth. Um, and let me just say, David and his uh, travel team just you want to you really want to take advantage of that insight because there's a lot to navigate in the months and days to come so please uh, check out I will include a link to David's um, to David and um, please take advantage of that also make sure you check out our upcoming podcast we'll have another one that'll be tied to disney at work but will be associated with epcot we will continue doing the best what we love most about disney attractions resorts and everything between now and the official opening in july of uh of walt disney world parks so stay with us we're going to cover something as we move forward every week that we could possibly do that. We thank you for joining us. We appreciate you sharing with others uh, our podcast. We appreciate you going to iTunes and giving us a good rating or um, a good review if at all possible. It helps us to spread the word. And then finally, 
in the words of Sinbad's Storybook Voyage, always follow the compass of your heart. David's smiling there because he knows Sinbad, it is good. So, hey, everybody, have a great day. We'll see you real soon. Thanks. <laughs>